Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoors, the official podcast of Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. We live by the motto, it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. And we live the outdoor lifestyle every day. Whether you're a landowner or dreaming of joining the ranks of those closest to the earth, we're your brothers and sisters of the outdoors. We hunt, we fish, we're stewards of the land, and our Living the Dream team will show you the way to enjoying the land and all the outdoor pursuits it has to offer. Here's your host, Bill Cooper. Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Cooper. And I'm Hunter Heinemans. Hey, man, I'm glad to see that face. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've been playing hooky on me. <laughs> yeah, I get busy this time of the year. Oh, you, you do with a number of things, not just land sales, but there's lots of things to hunt out there. And, man, you and your dad both had some great adventures so far this this fall. I, I sometimes get a little bit envious. You know, I stay home and write the articles and do the podcast and radio shows. And I sneak out once in a while. But, man, it just hasn't been my best fall as far as bringing meat home you know Mm -hmm. yeah but there's still a lot of seasons left there is hey getting ready to head out to deer camp and i'm looking forward to that i've got so much good food cooked up i'm not sure i'll ever leave camp (laughs) (laughs) but the place i'm hunting i was there uh several years ago and uh i was actually sitting in camp eating a late breakfast and a nice little buck walked up within 75 yards i reached for my rifle Remember, I had unloaded it. <laughs> I think I'll keep it loaded this year. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Oh, yeah. It'd be sweet at my age to be sitting in your nice, comfortable camp chair. You know, it reclines and give me the perfect <clears throat> angle to prop me up, woes up on the chair arms and be able to make a shot. Yeah. I'm going to see if I can pull that <laughs> off this year. There you go. <laughs> Grandpa's buck, you know. But, hey, you've been out doing some uh, duck hunting. Yep. Where'd you start your season this year? Uh, up at uh, Backwater Farms up in St. Peter's, Missouri, St. Charles County. Right on the Missouri River? Uh-huh. That's not a bad place Miss- to be. Mississippi. Oh, Mississippi. Yep. Okay, well, they, they come together. They're somewhere pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're a little bit farther south than that. But uh, <clears throat> anyways, it's it was a good, good opening week, and uh, Jeff Browning was there with us hunting, and we uh, had a pretty good opening morning and and enjoyed that and then just kind of hung out the rest of the day and kept plugging away at it. And our, uh, we were there from opening day till just this last Friday. Oh, well, Jeff Brown is quite a waterfowl hunter. Yeah, he likes at least, it. At least to hear him tell it. He had. Uh, I keep telling him I have no proof because he never takes me. <laughs> he, he likes to teal hunt. I know he's he's got a good spot on the – Gasconade uh, somewhere way south. And I had him convinced one time that I had found it. <laughs> he threatened my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he was there pretty much the whole week. And um, he had this thing. It's pretty cool. Kept us nice and warm because actually this was the first year. I remember the weather timing was actually pretty good. It uh, was pretty hot. And, and then all of a sudden that opening week, it was about consistently 30 to 40 in the mornings if not colder and oh that's that good helped. good duck hunting weather yeah that helped it was uh, a couple rainy days though that i thought would be really good just the rain didn't do it for them but we had our best day out there was tuesday and we uh <clears throat> tuesday afternoon we all hunted 
and hopped in a pit, and um, we killed, I think, 15. Wow, that's a pretty good morning. Yeah. But you're close to, well, right on, right in the middle of Mississippi Flyway, obviously, and I think that coast spell did push a lot of ducks down. Yeah. But so many of them just, I think, zoomed right on through and went further south because there's not a lot of water out there this year. It's pretty dry everywhere. Yeah, we didn't shoot a mallard until, like, that Tuesday, pretty much. Wow. What what'd you kill mostly? Uh, that first weekend, it was a lot of teal, gadwall, some shovelers, kind of a mix. Um, not really not really the mallards until about Tuesday. Wow. So that was well, kind of weird. During uh, one of those cold snaps, I, I was down on Real Foot Lake in Tennessee at a media event on the Hook TV was had six riders in. We were promoting the TV show. I was hoping to see a lot of ducks down there, but didn't see many, just a handful. And that's kind of disappointing. And on the way back home, I come up through the boot hill where I'm from originally and came by uh, Mingo yeah. National Wildlife Refuge. I could hear guys back in the trees, and I assumed there was some water there. could hear them shooting, but, boy, the big pools and everything were about dried up. Very few ducks there were. I've seen thousands and thousands over the decades and taken some incredible wildlife photos, duck photos in there. But to stop by Duck Creek, too, and uh, you can't see a whole lot of it, but could hear some shooting going on there as well. But after I uh, came back, I was checking some reports, and they said that very time that Duck, duck Creek and Ottersley both were holding record numbers of ducks. So that cold spell had really pushed them down, and those yeah. are great places for them to stop well, over and hang out for a few days. So the, some, we had some, we hunted right next to that. We have that other property that we hunt. It's 30 acres that we have, and it's flooded CRP field. And uh, some of the locals down there, we were talking to them, and they, that's what they were saying is that they just saw a couple thousand mallards coming down into a ditch wow. with some water in it. And, wow. Uh, and they said that, that was more than they remember this early in the yeah. in the season than they've ever kind of seen down there. Yeah, well, I, I know several years ago I used to hunt with an outfitter down there who had like seven thousand acres of rice fields uh, leased up, and of course he could flood those fields, and he used to hold I think more ducks than some of the refuges did. We had some incredible hunts down there, but so often they they had a their biggest push of mallards for the year usually came in late December into January. Mm-hmm. And I can remember seeing a field down there one time. It's funny. It's kind of divided by a gravel road. There was a, a big rice field and then kind of a pocket, I, I'd say maybe 100 acres on the left side of this little gravel road, backed by some woods. I never saw so many pintails in one spot in my <laughs> life. Yeah. Season was out by one day. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> That's, of course, how that would go down. They're good at that. They know right when shooting time is and everything. Oh, they get educated in a hurry. But we are blessed here in the state of Missouri to have so many waterfowl hunting opportunities. I just uh, a few days ago went over to a little lake that I hunt quite often, managed to knock down a couple of teal, had one single come in in a group of five or six, and uh, uh, managed to get a, a couple. But, boy, I, I just uh, really thought there'd be more flights than that. Yeah, teal and wood ducks are hard. They're hard to hit. 
They are. They're 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 yeah. fast. But uh, hey, teal are so much fun though. I've talked about this so many times because they see the decoys, they're usually going to dive right in. You know, I love to take youngsters during teal season because I'll let them light in those decoys. You know, and then flush them. Kids, kids <laughs> yeah. get a straightaway yep. shot. Helps uh, out a great deal. So, uh, in your uh, duck hunting escapades over the last few weeks, you guys have a dog, have a retriever. Yeah, we just got uh, trying him out for the first time. His name's Tater. He's a black lab. He's two years old. Oh. Uh, he's he's brand new. He's still kind of getting the hang of it. And before we hunted him, then we hunted him in dove season, and he had never been in the field with actual guns going off and birds falling everywhere and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So Probably pretty exciting for him. He was excited. He was revved up, but he... Opening morning, he did a great job, and then uh, we had another dog with us. She needs a little bit more work, but I think she'll be fine. Her name's Cece. Oh, yeah, having them in the birds makes all the difference in in the world. Of course, not very many dogs like to retrieve doves because those pin feathers are so bad about coming off in their mouth. And I, I don't think they really care for the smell or the taste or something about doves. Yep. I, if you get a dog to retrieve doves, he's going to make a great retriever. He did, but, yeah, he got them in his mouth. He was like, he didn't really like it. <laughs> uh, well, it was pretty hot weather when you were dove hunting? Yeah, it was It was like 90. But, oh, wow. You know, so that that cool spell was nice for for duck season. I just wish going into deer season this weekend it would be doing the same thing instead of being, it's going to be 70, I think. Yeah, I, I think going to get down to the 40s maybe at night, so you better hunt early and hunt late yep, <laughs> for sure. Pretty much. <laughs> or d- during the middle of the day, hunt water sources. Yeah. Because yep. that, that may be where they're hang, hanging out, man. But uh, so much to do in the in the fall and the winter in the state of Missouri. I often, boy, I just go through a dilemma, you know. Hey, should I go bow hunting this afternoon or go out to, duck hunting or squirrel hunting or hunting something you know yeah there's so many so many things that are open this time of the year for sure oh well let's try to do the best we can take advantage of all of them i I can you know of course i know you have to get out there and hit that real estate business yeah quite quite often i i I love it because don't have to punch the clock anymore but still you know there's just so many things going on everybody wants to have parties in the fall and winter you know they want to do the Fall festival thing, and so I, yep, I've had to go through some of that stuff, and that you know, seventy four years old, and that's been a battle all my life. Is trying to, you know, get a buck figured out. And you want to spend some time on that stand. Then there's all these family functions and <laughs> community functions, and you got to show up at some of them, you know. <laughs> Friendsgiving. Oh yeah, just lots and lots of things. Well, duck hunting. What's your favorite gun to use for duck hunting? Uh, I always use my 12 gauge, uh, Franke. That's Franke, yeah. Yep. I use the 12 gauge Franke with a three inch shell, and then I usually shoot anywhere from, depending on what it is, BBs to four shot. Yeah. Well, I've had, uh, I've scaled back down uh, a little bit. I've discovered number seven steel for two and three quarter inch shells for teal. Uh, four or five years back, and I've had better luck with teal shooting those than anything I've run through my shotgun. Mm. And I've even uh, 
shot big ducks when they're decoying good. I'll carry a box of those shells. If they're decoying pretty good, and it's going to be some close shooting. I'll go back to those two and three quarter inch number seven steel, and mm-hmm. it does a good job of bringing huh. them down. Yeah, I'm, I'm not that good of a shot to go that light. I gotta <laughs> <laughs> need the knockdown power. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's nice though, and and I have actually loaded, put my first two rounds in a seven and a half steel, and then go to a three inch four for that last shot. You know, because yep. it's amazing how yeah, fast was, how fast they can scoot out of there once you've shot at them once or yeah, twice. I use I was using twos and fours. That'll bring them down. What kind of choke was that? Uh, modified modified good i'm reading articles now you know you know we've been educated for the last 20 years shooting a steel shot need to have a real open choke now somebody's backtracking there's, there's right some, yeah. uh, maybe we don't need to do that but i i shoot this 12 gauge uh, stoker semi auto for duck hunting and uh, i've uh, used an improved cylinder in it and i had an instance last year i was duck hunting or goose hunting a small pond and uh, some geese kind of snuck up on me in time I recovered, got my face out of the coffee cup and managed to pick my shotgun up. They'd actually flown the length of the little pond were leaving, and I swung on three geese that were pretty tight, three-inch shell number threes. It dropped all three of them. One shot, two of them were stone dead. But it was a new shell I'd never heard of before. And it wasn't all that pricey. A monarch, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was. I tried some of those. They're newer. They yeah. came out like a couple years ago, I think. What do you think about them? I didn't have a problem with them. I was shooting two shot, three inch. Oh, uh, I was shooting. Uh, pretty sure it was threes, but that was a thirty yard shot on three geese and dropped uh, all three of them to them stone dead. And the other one wasn't wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> so I I was very impressed with them. Now I can't find them. Yeah. Well, this year was the first year I've ever. Shot two ducks with one shot. Oh, yeah? And they were, uh, what do you call them, the bluebill or? Uh, oh, bluebill or ringnecks one? Ringneck. Yeah. Two ringnecks came in. I thought they were teal, and I pulled up and yeah. shot, and they crossed paths, and I <laughs> both it of took them both out. Huh? Well, it's interesting. Uh, bluebills, you know, ringnecks are pretty common, but bluebills, gosh, 25 years ago, Right here in the Ozarks, gobs of them come down through here. The little lake that I hunt, quite off 75 acres. I've seen usually the week before duck season would start to be 5,000 of them on that lake, you know. And they'd come in steadily, but you'd get flocks of like 500 come over the top of you. And it took me a while really to learn how to kill bluebills because they are a uh, diver duck and they like to hang out in the middle of the lake so i started pushing my decoy spread a little further out from the the, the boat that was pushed up against the bank i push them out to 35 yards about and the bluebills will fly the outside the edge of those decoys they'll seldom ever come inside and they're certainly not going to sit down in them they'll just fly by them so if you get them within shotgun range you better be shooting because they may not come back the next i've let lots of groups get away because i'm calling to them and and hoping they'll they'll circle one more time but quite often that doesn't happen but i've also figured out that i could anchor out in the middle of that lake i'll just cover my boat up with camo material and put decoys out on a string because a lot of those diver ducks will come to decoys 
just almost in a straight line unless the wind curves them a little bit. But I yeah. put, put two or three strings of decoys out like that and usually set up on the middle string, and they'll fly right up those alleys between the strings huh. usually. Of course, got to play the wind just like everything else. But uh, diver ducks are fun to hunt. <laughs> but bluebills used to be able to kill five. Their population crashed. It went all the way down to one. I think it's back up to two now, but they nest further north than any other duck species, and something happened up there that, boy, they just crashed. Huh. Hate to see that, but not, nothing like uh, waterfowl hunting, boy, particularly if you're, if you're in that flyway and you've got a good dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty hey, lucky. You, you betcha. Hey, folks, don't go away. We're going to take a short break here, but we'll be right back with more Living the Dream Outdoors podcast. Hi, I'm Steve Stoltz with Drury Outdoors, and you're listening to Living the Dream Outdoors podcast with Phil Cooper and Hunter Heineman. Slow down and enjoy the simple things in life. Welcome to Huzal Valley Resort, providing family fun since 1979. They offer floating, and you can choose from canoes, rafts, kayaks, and inner tubes on a beautiful, crystal clear Huzal River. Lodging, let us be your home away from home. Choose from a variety of lodging units while still enjoying the great outdoors. With over two and a half miles of river camping on the crystal clear Huzal, we're sure you and your family will find the perfect spot to pitch your tent or park your RV. Have fun and let us help you get the most of your stay. Check out our guided trail rides and Karen's Cafe menu. There's something for everyone at Who's All. There's a campground store on site that has everything you need for your trip, whether you're in need of gear, grub, or something else. Chances are they've got it. And their campground has RV sites and primitive sites for all your camping needs. If you like the adventures of camping with a cozy bed at night, we have a variety of different lodging units to choose from. But who's all valley? There's always something going on out there. Check them out on Facebook, or if you want to make a reservation, simply call 1-800-367-4516. Hi, I'm Steve Stoltz, original team member of Dury Outdoors and cast member of DeerCast. And I'm going to give you a tip for hunting uh, whitetails, uh, what I call still early season in October. You know, here we are. Uh, leaves are starting to change color, uh, bucks are ready to rut, does aren't in yet. But the bucks are ready. Those bucks, you have a window of time to get a homebody shot. And that, what I mean by that is all mature bucks have a little home core area that they like to stay in, and they don't, they don't move much. This is the all-time greatest time. We call it buck, Bucktober for a reason. If you look and follow Drury Outdoors, you'll, you'll notice even Mark Drury himself, probably some of his biggest, well, I know some of his biggest whitetails are all taken the first probably 15, 20 days of October. And there's a reason for that. That's because those big bucks that, that we find and, and, and get through MRI, through summer scouting, through early fall scouting, and through, you know, that we know are there, those deer haven't moved yet. They haven't, uh, uh, expanded their home range yet. They're still in their little bedroom, their little hidey hole. Well, if you hunt them early October and, and, and here in October and you don't let them know you're there, you've got a better chance of taking that deer before about middle or about the 20th of October by hunting right near where he's like in the bed, preferably in a little hidey hole food plot that you planted 
to actually hunt that particular deer. That's, that's the best tactic. But ideally, if you catch him on his feet, you don't want to, to, to spend time hunting in the mornings near those areas. I've said this in previous tips. I don't eat, I don't morning hunt early season. I just don't because I don't want to mess that. I don't want to push that deer out of there going there in the morning if he's already in the bed. I want him to come out to me in the evening. So I only hunt afternoon evenings for big white tails during this time. And, and again, you're, you know, hunt to the fronts as well. Watch those fronts. Don't waste your time hunting in real hot, hot weather. If it's warm weather in October, wait for that temperature to drop 10, 15 degrees, cool off. And those big white tails will be out before dark on those food sources right near where they like to bed. Take advantage of early October of, of taking the white tail or white tails that you are targeting. Hi folks, it's Aaron Jeffries with the Missouri Department of Conservation with a little habitat hint here. Uh, no surprise, uh, we are in the middle of a pretty severe drought across most of mid-Missouri. Uh, would encourage folks to take a look at diversifying their grazing systems. Uh, right now the department, NRCS, and other partners do have cost share available for the establishment of native form season grasses for grazing and haying purposes. What a great program. What a wonderful way of diversifying your grazing system and actually having a drought tolerant, productive grass in the months of June, July, and August. If you're looking for more information, would encourage you to go to the Missouri Department of Conservation's website at mdc.mo.gov. And in the upper right-hand corner is contacts. Go to your county and find your private land conservationist for your county uh, to set up a meeting to look at ways that you can improve your property, not only for wildlife, but also forage production for your cattle. Hey, everybody. This is Alex Rutledge with American Roots Outdoors. Check out my buddy's podcast show, Living the Dream Outdoors with Bill Cooper and Hunter Hindman. You're really going to enjoy this week's show. Welcome back to Living the Dream Outdoor podcast. Hunter Hyman and I have been talking duck hunting. I think it must be one of our favorite things. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is mine. Definitely probably my favorite type of what, hunting for sure. What is the appeal of waterfowl hunting? Um, It's just pretty laid back and a good time and you don't have to be really a hundred percent all that still or even quiet sometimes. <laughs> uh, I mean, you do when they're coming in and you don't want to wave at them or anything, but you can kind of move around in the blinds and stuff and good social sport. It is. Yeah. It keeps you entertained and it's not, you know, it's not one of those things If you know, you show up, you hunt, they're not there. If you want to leave, you can leave and you know, you're not missing a 180 inch giant, Whitetail, yeah. <laughs> it's just a duck if you miss one, you know. So um, I think for me that is. And then the other, the sport of just wing shooting and actually being able to knock a duck down and put a good shot on it, 
when they're flying 40, 50 mile an hour, sometimes it seems like. Makes you feel pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah, you knock one of those guys uh, out of the sky. Kind of a reward thing. Like, man, how do I even, sometimes you shoot and you're like, how do I even hit that? It, exactly. But going back to the days when steel shot first come on the scene, I was, of course, I grew up with lead. Oh, my goodness, we killed a lot of things with lead. It's so dense, it's deadly, it penetrates. And still came along. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm still not on to it really good, trying to figure out that, let's say, lead them more because it's slower and it slows down quicker and yep. all that stuff. Oh, man, I missed a lot of ducks. Yep. A lot of them right on top Probably of Probably missed me. more <laughs> or about the same as what you end up getting. But, uh, yeah, we had we had a lot of ducks that we – you know, shot and they would hit the water and just get away wounded. And then, you know, that they just swim away in the corn and you know they're going to yep. die. But, you yep. know, then you got to count that kind of is your limit, basically. Right. And it's like, oh, that's never a good deal. But it does seem like this year that that happened to us a lot. <laughs> but uh, part of it, the dog know. was taking a second to get the hang of it. And uh, once he finally was like, you could see them falling in the water, he'd take off and he'd get on those ones that were, you know, mortally wounded, but they just had their head up and were kind of, but some of those would just get in the corn. And once they got in the corn, they were, couldn't yeah. find them. It, it's incredible to watch a young dog like that learn because you keep taking him and taking him and he sees those ducks fall into the corn or milo or whatever you got. You know, he knows they're there, and he knows what the score is, and he will eventually learn when he goes into those uh, weeds or corn or whatever, mm -hmm. he'll start trying to get downwind of them and pick their scent up. And it's amazing how many wounded ducks a dog can save. He's going to find a whole lot more than you and I would find, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and they love it. It's the he thing found, is. He found a couple on the way back that we saw sailing way off and went over by oh, our yeah? levee road that we drive out on, so we always let him run on the uh -huh. way back. And sure enough, he found some that we had shot. Really? Well, that's cool. That's, a, that's, a, that's good uh, conservation work there because we are – legally obligated you know to, to yeah. do our best to try to find wounded game like that mm -hmm. and but watching the dogs uh, i probably told this story a hundred times but uh, i remember years ago had a just a six month old yellow lab and had him in a boat during teal season with two 14 year old boys we had a huge flock of teal probably better than a hundred birds i saw them go down uh, the south side of this lake and it hit the west end and turn come up the north side where we were sitting and I told the boys, get ready when the, when those birds hit the far right end of those decoys, start shooting. Those two boys knocked seven teal down. Oh, man. And, and they were just flopping all over the place. You know, and this puppy's just going nuts. And I turned him loose, and he went out, grabbed the first teal. Well, there was one about 10 feet away. He's going to get it, too, except he couldn't get it in his mouth. <laughs> so the puppy had to make seven trips, and the last one was a swimmer probably 150 yards out. And I put that puppy on the line, he took off, and he got about 15 degrees off. I gave him a whistle, and he turned around and looked, and I gave him a hand signal right to it. But coming back, he couldn't get in the boat. He was so tired. I had a ramp. <laughs> I had to grab him by the collar and pull, pull him up in the boat. Yeah. But that made that puppy, you know, he turned into a really good waterfowl yeah. dog. Last lab I had probably wasn't the greatest, but uh, the lake I hunted, the uh, 
uh, boy, the birds coming in there really declined, and especially in the last five years, huh. just don't see as many birds as, as it did. So, and I hate to travel. I hate to go very far to duck right. hunt. That's yeah. handy at home. So I try to hunt some ponds. That's seventy-five acre lake. Once the blue moon off, try to draw into one of the public areas. You mm-hmm. know, travel a little bit. That's always fun. Are too. you gonna be going at all anymore this year? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Count on it. As soon as I get deer season under my belt, you know. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'd like to do some more late season stuff and hunt them when stuff's starting to freeze over. We've got our setup now to where you can turn on a pump and it'll pump water right oh, into your hole. Yeah. So you can, even if it is froze, you could show up, turn it on. Right, and it'll start thawing out. Yep. Uh, plus, it puts water on top of that that ice but sometimes a situation like that can be some of the best duck hunting of the year i know i often go to the rivers when the ponds and lakes start freezing up it's surprising even here in the ozarks how how many ducks and i see a lot of mallards on the rivers late in the season and yeah you may have to look for them but uh what's my experience has been once you find where a group of ducks is hanging out you may flush them and they might leave but there's something that draws them to a particular area and i've set up decoys many times and had you know may have to wait an hour or so but there'll be other groups that'll come by uh, so historically they have used that same area now jeff browning is a master at hunting <laughs> ducks on a river now he won't share a lot of information but one thing i learned from him particularly about teal hunting he said you know he doesn't uh run up and down the river a lot because he knows where teal are going to come to. They have year after year after year. But one thing he says they do, they don't fly the course of the river necessarily. It's, he knows point A and point B where they'll cross the river and cross through the woods and come back across the river again. So he's been at it long enough and paid enough attention. I think he's got several honey holes <laughs> like that. Yep. We're, we're going to put a tracker on him one of these days. You need to. <laughs> I think we're planning on going down south first weekend, uh, first weekend in December, and gonna try out down there again and see if a little bit colder weather will have us good luck down there. Oh, it should, it, it should. And I'm actually December, January, going back to Real Foot uh, Lake. Uh, Gary Mason, who's the owner of the uh, Legend of the Outdoors Hall of Fame, has. Uh, I think a lease on Kentucky Lake. He had one years ago in southeast Missouri. I hunted with him, but he's invited me to come over to Real Foot. And, boy, late in the year, December, January, can be phenomenal down there. So I'm um, hoping a lot of birds there want to get to go. Going to get to hunt with the famous Billy Blakely. He's a local who's quite a crappie guy, loves to catch big bluegill, and he's supposed to be a fabulous duck caller as well. So I'm... I'm looking forward to that uh, that trip. Well, Hunter, you know, we kill all these animals and all these ducks. I know we eat anything and everything, but yeah. d- ducks, how do you yeah. fix yours? Um, so my favorite way is just pretty, I think a lot of people do it, but breast it out, and then uh, if you get like a mallard or a bigger duck, you can cut that breast down the middle and roll it up in a piece of bacon, real thin slice, and add a piece of pepperoncini or jalapeno to the middle and either cream wow. cheese or pepper jack cheese depending on how duck, hot you like duck poppers basically yeah um even even if you don't have the stuff put in the middle like the pepper and the cheese and all that you can get away with just wrapping them in a piece of bacon and throwing them on there and they're just as good i tried something different 
this year and uh, put like a little drop of honey on the outside when they're almost oh, cooked. I remember you talking about that. And it just kind of caramelizes on the bacon. But I think another one I was thinking that would be good would be brown sugar. Mm-hmm. You know, sprinkle that over the top of them when it's done. And then uh, the other way that I've been, I've been doing a couple of things, keeping keeping the legs on some of them, like the mallards and stuff, and I think they taste great. I marinate them in Italian dressing and just eat them off the bone like a little chicken wing. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, uh, this year, it's kind of the first year I've messed with it, but I'm keeping the, the skin, actually pluck the feathers out of the breast and then breast it out and then sear it just like right. a steak and then you can finish it in the oven or low heat or whatever, but it's it's good. You can just cook it up just like medium and have yourself a little steak. You betcha. And, of course, duck fat is wonderful stuff. Duck or goose fat, either one. You know. I was shocked. It was it's so amazing, tender. Isn't it? So yeah. tender. And yeah. it was just about as, if not more flavorful than a ribeye. Wow. Well, uh, young friend of mine, outdoor writer Ryan Maloszewski from uh, Kansas City area is a great chef when it comes to preparing ducks. I'm actually trying to talk him into putting out a little uh, cookbook, duck recipes, but, oh, he he does some elaborate things to ducks. But it starts with plucking those ducks, like like you say, splitting that uh, back, I, I guess, and come laying that thing out so it lays flat and searing it pretty quickly, I guess, on both sides. But he adds all kinds of other things yeah. to it, you know, and it just just sounds wonderful. I, I talk to him every now and then. I keep hinting for an invite to come over to eat with him, you know, <laughs> one yeah. chef to another. And uh, uh, But he's, he's doing some cool things with ducks. But, hey, I've always a lot of times fall back on, breasting them out and, and if it's a big duck you know you can cut that breast into three or four pieces and I, I still like marinate them in Dale's sauce which is a dark marinade kind of salty uh two hours at least have done it overnight and then wrap that hot, half piece of bacon on them and throw them on a hot grill and I cook them either to the bacon's done or kind of toothpick ends are burnt off of them you know yeah but you gotta remember to take the toothpicks out of them at <laughs> <laughs> a big old Friend of mine, one time, big guy, fed him a bunch of those, and he called me the next day. He said, "Hell, was that was that meat good, man? I had a terrible bellyache after eating those. It felt like something sticking me in the gut." I said, "Well, you did take the toothpicks out of it, did you?" <laughs> he had not, so he got to got to pay the price uh, a little bit. So you got to think think about it. But looking forward to duck season. You're talking about going down south, and that's southeast Missouri, right? Yeah, like right next there to Duck Creek, like what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and that's still in the middle zone, correct? Yep, barely. Yeah. But it is. All right. Well, I would advise you to take a look at 10 Mile Pond, which is in that very south zone, and actually stays open a little bit longer. Well, that's what uh, I'm getting ready to go that first weekend. I'm going with hunting with my buddy Nate. Oh, he, I remember uh, Nate. Yeah. He put in to get a handicap line and got one ah. um, for the second and third and then that following weekend. But we're just going that one weekend. And then we're hunting Sunday and his blind on the public ground. And I'm excited about that because I've never been in there and just seen what it's all about. I drove through it real quick and seen what I could see without hunting it, but didn't really get to explore it is that 10 mile pond you're talking about duck creek duck creek oh yeah yeah. that's where we're going to do that and they were 
last and last last weekend. I mean, they had to be shooting a decent amount of ducks, or at least at them. Yeah, <laughs> um, well, but it was slow. When for you're us. hunting in that timber, you can't shoot in most cases right, right. all that far. So they yeah. probably had ducks falling through the trees mm-hmm. right into them. So yep. that can be some pretty uh, quick shooting, and and just they call it green timber hunting. I've done it once, I think, down in the boot hill. But, boy, is it ever fascinating. Yeah. I could stand to do that a lot. Yeah, it'd be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this this handicap blind he's got, is that in the timber on an open pool of water, or do you you know? I haven't haven't talked to him too much. I have a feeling it's going to be more open, just because if it's handicapped, you're going to have to obviously get a truck to it. So I'm thinking it's going to be more open, but I haven't uh, asked Nate too many Details, yeah. You may want to check out the details because it may determine how you're going to be able to shoot, you know. Uh, If you're sitting in a blind like that, maybe a bit more pass shooting rather than, you know. Mm -hmm. It really fooled me when I hunted green timber. Get those ducks drifting down through the trees or dodging limbs and all this crazy stuff. It's just kind of, you're kind of mesmerized and you think, man, that's just a slow floating target. I shot over so many of those ducks because they're descending a lot faster than you think they are. Uh, better shoot at or below those feet just a little bit. Yeah, yep, <laughs> yep. I'd love to be able to go do it. I hopefully get to get a good understanding about what it's what it's like over there, and might help me figure out a little bit more about our property right down the road. <laughs> uh, probably will, probably will. But of course, uh, my way of thinking is. Uh, you haven't had that property all that long. You need to be there a lot yeah. to get the patterns figured yeah. out for uh, the weeks as they progress through through the season. Well, sound like you've got some good times ahead of you, and I'm hoping to get out and get some more uh, waterfowl hunting done after I get a deer or two in the freezer. And uh, Hunter, here in the last minute or two, would you like to tell people about how to get a hotel? We haven't even talked about real estate <laughs> this show. and uh, that, That's kind of the bread and butter of the operation, you know, Keeps us uh, all hunting, keeps us in business. But how can yep. people get a hold of you if they see a pr- property on uh, Facebook or online that uh, they'd like to talk to you about? Yep, you can uh, get a hold of me at my cell phone. It's uh, 636-373-1509. That's 636-373-1509. Uh, you can text or call that or even email hunterh09 at yahoo.com, or you can call the office, which is 855 by dirt. Hey, folks, you may think we're pulling your leg a little bit because we talk about the outdoors so much, but Hunter Heinemann and I guarantee you, we are living our outdoor dreams, and we encourage you to get outdoors and live your outdoor dreams as well. I'm Bill Cooper. Captain Brian Wilson runs one of the tightest bow fishing operations in the business. Stainwater Bow Fishing operates out of Jerome, Missouri and the beautiful Missouri Ozarks. They cover most Ozark streams and lakes. You haven't lived until you've searched Ozark waters during the night with Stainwater Bow Fishing while looking for giant gar, carp, and buffalo. Captain Wilson also runs a second boat on Taney Como Lake. Call today to book a trip with Stainwater Bow Fishing at 573 573- Two six three eight zero one six. Again, that's five seven three two six three eight zero one six. Be sure and shoot straight. The Live in the Dream Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Live in the Dream Outdoor Properties, The Fly Rod Journals, SmokerBuilder.com, Cowtown USA. 
Westover Farms, Scenic Rivers Taxidermy, Stained Water Bow Fishing, Scenic Rivers Guide Service and Tours, Huzzah Valley Resort, Pico Lures, Devil's Backbone Outfitters, The Fallen Outdoors, Ledco Sinkers and Lure Company, Turnbow Outdoors, J&J Charters, Kaufman Cove, Alaska, Big Ed's Guide Service, Bean Creek Game Calls, Misty Mountain Guide Service, ASO Guides and Outfitters with Ryan Walker, On the Hook TV, and Rich's Famous Burgers. Land ownership is the American dream. Land is the basis of all life. Our wise use of this most precious of resources ensures the survival and growth of free institutions and our American way of life. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we value the traditions and freedoms that land provides us. Every day we seek the solace of a mountain sunrise over traffic jams and smog, the calming silence of a bubbling stream over the sirens of the city, and the quiet of the countryside over the hustle and bustle of the world. We hunt, we fish, we farm. We live off the land. It's our mission to help our clients live out their dreams on the land as we do. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we believe that it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. Join us five days a week on Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast as the Living the Dream Outdoor Dream Team explores the most desired outdoor properties in the Midwest and whisks you away to incredible hunting, fishing, and outdoor recreation opportunities. Host Bill Cooper, an inductee of the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, will be joined by members of the Living the Dream Outdoors team each week as they tell tall tales, unveil tips and tactics, and rub elbows with some of the biggest names in the outdoor world. You'll also find the Living the Dream Outdoors podcast on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok.